Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how are we doing? Jordan, we're back. We it's are. Good to, it's good In to see form. you on Zoom. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> Most of you made it back. From Indianapolis, <laughs> your voice somewhere in the uh, the Midwest. I don't know somewhere. Uh, maybe it'll catch up with you at some point. But uh, Jordan spent um, several fruitful days in Indianapolis. And uh, as these things go, didn't come back feeling really well. Um, Jordan, I hope you're OK. You guys will be surprised. I'm sick again. Wow. <laughs> what a shock. That's but not you should also know. You should also know that in advance of recording this, Jordan and I are messaging back and forth and I wanted to leave open the option that, you know, we can do this tomorrow. And Jordan is like, no, we have to do it. There's so There's much, so to talk much about. Shit going on. We have to talk like and plus, <laughs> you know, Rich, I just love deprocessing all this stuff with you. And also our fans yeah. too, our 11 personnel fans. You guys have been so patient. Um, you know, I've been traveling and on a different time zone and it's we didn't have recording equipment for remote setup. Well, I was in Indianapolis, but I also knew there was going to be so much stuff coming out of that time that this would be a good time to just deprocess. So this is that episode. Oh, boy. Here we go. Right. All right. Let's jump in, Jordan, because there's a lot going on here. And um, I want to I want to phrase this very carefully because I don't want to seem, you know, high minded or that like we're talking down about anybody else. But a lot of this stuff about the Rams gets kind of parsed out individually. Right. And things we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Jalen Ramsey. We're going to talk about Allen Robinson. Uh, we're going to talk about Bobby Wagner. We're going to talk about Leonard Floyd. We're going to talk about all of these things that you've kind of heard come out, you know, piece by piece by piece by piece. And I think what can happen somewhat understandably is whether it's you know TV or radio or blog podcast reporters, whatever it may be. The, the narrative kind of gets twisted or it kind of gets everybody kind of wants to take it in their own direction. So, Jordan, you've written a number of stories now <laughs> since our last podcast. And by the way, we're going to talk about the big one uh, near the end, which uh, finally dropped. And I know just an extraordinary piece of journalism. So we haven't forgotten about that. But Jordan, we're, we're also we're going to break down every one of these uh, players and the situations, releases, trade possibilities, all of that stuff. But I want to throw it to you first, just with some context here, because the Rams, uh, we can get caught up in individual word, words, right? Whether we're talking about remodel, whether we're talking about retool, whether we're talking about rebuild, uh, whatever word you want to choose, no matter what, there's there's a there's a big seismic change going on here. Where are the Rams with that? Where are their thoughts kind of going into this offseason? What are they trying to accomplish here in the big picture with all of these kind of micro moves that are going on? Yeah, so 
if you step back and you look at it, you can see very clearly that they are more deeply overhauling one side of the ball than the other. And I think that in part, this is who the head coach is. He's an offensive head coach. Their offense was the worst in the league last year, but a lot of that was injuries. And then they need capital to make some different kinds of moves or move on from different players that didn't work out for them. And they need capital. And that capital is going to have to come from somewhere, right? Well, the place where not only it makes the most sense in light of that context of who the head coach is and him deciding to come back and wanting to be competitive and score points and those types of things. Um, it makes sense to look then and see where maybe you need to not just get back some capital, but also where you need to clear the runway for some other things. So when you're looking at some of these moves, you know, this, this is a team that in the past has cleared the runway of sorts a different kind of of move, their trade for Jalen Ramsey in 2019. But people forget they also let go of several players in that trade as well. And they also moved into an entirely new defensive scheme via that trade. Sean knew that they were going to move to that system. Um, one way or another, he was going to get that system. And the perfect players for that system are Aaron Donald and, of course, then Jalen Ramsey in the way that they were going to play him. So you're looking at that point at a full schematic overhaul and a and really a deep personnel overhaul as well because that scheme then changes the way you draft. Having Jalen changes the way you draft. Um, and it also pushes in a more aggressive space, your team build model, which they committed to for the next several years, which won them a Super Bowl, okay? So now in a different way, still arced around Jalen Ramsey, which is football and its inherent irony and its cycles, um, still revolving around Jalen Ramsey, you're seeing this is a team that very clearly wants to keep enough of its pieces on offense around to try to score points um, because you're not hearing rumors about Matthew Stafford. Teams have called on Matthew, by the way, but you're not hearing any movement in that regard. You're not hearing movement on Cooper Cup, who would probably be one of their highest capital trade players if they right. were to decide that. You're not hearing those things. You're hearing about decisions to be made on the offensive line. You're hearing about rebuilding there um, in the draft and then getting guys healthy. You're hearing about moving forward the run game progress. But on the defensive side, where you know Sean McVay is not the coach, um, you're also now hearing about um, you know, getting younger, um, putting athletes in certain places and investing draft capital in, in athletic traits in certain places and, and scheming and coaching them up and, and getting back to that real coaching and developmental process that they'd been so good at for the last several years. And it's, so it's a, it, there's no actual way to like compartmentalize it into a word or a phrase, but I guess the closest right. thing I could think of is comparing it to that 2019 where they sort of rebuilt rebuilt one side of the ball, but still at a full sprint. And then on the other side of the ball, when they were ready, added a couple of key pieces here and there that pushed them to the, you know, up and over. So like, you know, they, they, they rebuilt their defense in 2019, overhauled most of it, leaving Aaron Donald, obviously as a core player, adding Jalen Ramsey. And then they added Matthew Stafford on the other side when it was time. And then that side was, and then they added, and you know, they had Odell Beckham. And then that side is deemed quote unquote ready to and in contention. Okay. Well then what's your last final piece on the other side? And that's Von Miller. And all of that can start 
from a very slow place to all of a sudden moving very, very fast, dependent on the resources. So what I mean to say is I see a lot of parallels Teams with the luxury of continuity, as this team has, I see a lot of parallels in in terms of what they did in 2019 specifically, pushing into a window to win the Super Bowl. And I I really do think that's what's happening here. I don't think it's a total teardown. If it were a total teardown, they'd get rid of everybody. Aaron would be gone. Cooper would be gone. Matthew would be gone. Um, everybody would everybody would be gone. They'd have they'd sign Baker Mayfield for five million dollars a year or Mike White for seven million dollars a year, <laughs> and they'd just hover in space until they could get through twenty twenty four and then re- rebuild totally. So this is not a rebuild. It's not a teardown. Instead, this is more of a. Um, at a sprint retooling situation. And I hate those those words even because they don't provide the correct context of what this is. Right. But that's sort of what I see is that they're going to try to basically be the Golden State Warriors on offense if they can. And you got to get those resources from somewhere. And then you're maybe not going to worry so much about your defense in 2024. You're going to try to draft and develop and, and like, again, put athletes in certain spots. You're still going to make moves. Like they're still going to trade or acquire a pass rusher in some way. Um, he's probably going to be a young enough player to where he can be a bridge from this era into the next. But at the same time, you know, you're not completely just tanking the entire team. Like any Sean McVay team, and and you know, you guys know this from that story I just wrote. Any Sean McVay led team, you he, it's almost a a like mental need, not just a want, but like a need to be competitive in some way. Otherwise, his he doesn't work. He doesn't function the way that he's supposed to function. And the Rams know that. And so if you can at least have an offense that's capable of producing, then you can cover up some of the maybe unequal parts of your defense that are a work in progress. And I think that's what they're trying to do this year. And and you look at some of these moves. They're going to trade or cut Leonard Floyd. It's probably going to be a cut if they can't trade him. I personally think he's tradable, but you just never know. Another team has to buy into that. They're going to trade or cut Leonard Floyd. And they only save $3 million in 2023 by doing that. But they free up like something like $48 million of cash. And this is a cash over cap team. So you take on $19 million of dead money in 2024, but you have all this cash available to you. Well, where do they use their cash? On bonuses and in bringing in offensive players. Historically, that is where they have used their cash. So it all sort of points at like continuing to try to basically smother teams with their offense like they did in 2017, 2018. And figure out their defense when they feel they're ready to add pieces in a way where they have resources, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah. Two, two takeaways that I have one half joking. Uh, I know neither one of us are uh, gamblers, but uh, <laughs> I would say if there's, if there's lines available for the 2023 Ram seasons right now, uh, maybe take the over, maybe, maybe make some over bets uh, on the, on those games. Cause <laughs> it sounds like there might be a few points scored on both sides of the ledger. At least uh, that's the goal, you know, like yeah, they, yeah. they want it. That's the thing. I've, I've heard this constantly and it's like, you guys know me, like I, I lurk. Right. So I just try to hear things and figure things out. And like, I've constantly heard this. You can see it. Even he hired Mike LaFleur for God's sake. Like he's going back to these roots of 2017, 2018. And he said this to me where that's the most fun he's ever had. 
you know, because the, the, the expectations, the weight of the expectations weren't there. And instead in 2019, 2020, and then all the way up through the run. And then afterward, all it was, was expectations. And so it's almost like this psychological correction as well as a schematic and roster building correction. And I think again, like this is a person who is so deeply intertwined with the ethos of his team for better and for worse. I can't help but but think that that's what's happening is going back to the things that worked, not just schematically. And, and I'm not talking about like in the weeds, like I don't think Matthew Stafford's ever going to be a player who likes to run a lot of play action. I'm not going that deep on this in terms of schematically, but in terms of, you know, just putting some numbers up on offense, like whether they can do it or not, that's remains to be seen, but it's also emotional. Like, yeah, this is a person who is so for better and, and for worse, both, you know, tied to his team in that way that I can't see any other pattern, but this one unfolding. Right. Right. And, and I think uh, you hit Jordan exactly what I was hoping to hear there, because what I was saying in the kind of lead up to that was, and look, I'm not again, I'm not trying to talk down to anybody. And and the proof will be in, in whatever happens on the field in 2023. And let's let's set that straight. But the, the feedback that I get sometimes, whether it's, you know, go on different radio shows or talk to people. Oh, man, this is it. I mean, the ramp, they're finally paying that credit card bill. Oh, I can't believe it's all over. I can't, you know, and and that's that's the that's the narrative. Oh, well, they're selling off Leonard Floyd because they, you know, of the cap and oh, Jalen Ramsey, they're just going to trade him. You know, it's it, the, the narrative has become, well, the Rams won five games last year and well, that's it. That's just who they are now. And now they're going to sell it all off. And I'm not saying that won't happen. It very <laughs> like we saw last year. You cannot predict these things. We don't know what's going to happen happened in 2023 but what i was trying to get to there and what you explained so very well was that's not how the rams are looking at it they are not looking at this as well that was fun guys we had a nice little run there um now it's time to turn over the nfl to somebody else uh there's i'm not saying they can get back on top of that mountain necessarily but they think they can and that and that's where that that's to me where the real interest intrigue behind this offseason is is how can you adjust so dramatically on the fly and yet still maintain that level. I know they think they can do it and it sounds like they kind of have a plan here. Uh, but for anybody who thinks the Rams are planning to tank and, you know, to, to go after Caleb Williams for the 2024 draft or something like that, I think what we're saying, Jordan, is that that is not at all the plan here. Well, the thing is that so the irony of all this, Rich, is like, if you're a team run by Sean McVay, you can't tank. Right. He's, he's he won't too allow it. He, no, no, not even that. He's too good of a coach. Like the Rams were, the, that's rock bottom. What happened to them last year with the injuries and like lack of good decisions and free agency other than Bobby Wagner and like lack of, of understanding of where the league was going and being wholly as unprepared as it gets. Right. And then a catastrophe and you still win five games and you don't have to draft pick. So people don't assume you're like leveraging for a better position or whatever. You don't have a draft pick. If you're coached by Sean McVay, if you win one game in the season, your ass is getting investigated, man. Like you, that's just right. not, you can't do it. Right. Like you just can't do it. They know that's they're, true. you know, th yeah. th you can't do it. If you walk, if he had walked away, that's maybe a different story. And I'm not even putting that in the universe, but like, 
you can't tank if you have if you're coached by Sean McVay. Not only because I think he would um like lose his mind. <laughs> Combust. But <Yeah. laughs> but also um because you just can't. You can't. He's too good of a coach. You can't even you can't pretend like that. Right. So yeah. it, it's funny because you sit there. This will all start. This all starts really with with Jalen. And I do think that that's, you know, as a writer, I think there's something really poetic about that, that Jalen, the trading for Jalen really truly was what kickstarted their last run and really opened their window. And now potentially trading him away is what will open their next one. And I think that there's something really deeply poetic about that and kind of beautiful in a football way. Um, especially because it seems like it might be time. I mean, you look at the tea leaves here and you read between the lines and you talk to people and it's like, you know, he's none, none of the rest of his money after next season is guaranteed. So if you're going to be 30 next year and you're going to maybe transition from corner over to safety, there is no way that you shouldn't be trying to get a contract with some money that's guaranteed on it, whether or not that's a shorter term annual and more guaranteed, you have to be doing that. That's the business. I'm not saying it's why this is happening, but it is a part of it that the Rams, he had a a quote unquote clean contract for a reason. This was always going to be a loophole in case they needed to get back resources quickly while a player is elite and still in his prime, while also knowing that not having the guaranteed money on the back end would automatically mean that the player and the agent would be okay with that because right. it's time, you know, it, and, and and it's clear with the structure of that contract that everyone thought that this was what's happening this year is would be happening in 2024 instead. But the process is still going to come out the same. And I think that that's what's interesting about this is right now, the Rams are getting calls you know, multiple teams and legitimate interest. It's not just, um, you know, getting calls with the hopes of driving up a market. Like this is legitimately happening. Again, you talk to a lot of different people, a lot of teams, a lot of agents behind the scenes at the combine. This isn't for the sake of driving up any sort of a market. Like it is very real that there are teams willing to offer packages for Jalen Ramsey And it's kind of a process of going through evaluations at the combine and seeing how close you are to contention and what your potential pick could be and how your board is falling and whether you could actually get a player who's better than him at a pick point. Um, All of that's in play, but this is real. I mean, this is real and it, and it makes sense, frankly. Now, personally, if I were a Rams fan, yeah, I I would be bummed, bummed out about this. Jalen Ramsey's an elite player, but there's been this awareness and you can see it because of the word mutual that happened when the Bobby Wagner thing happened a couple weeks ago, mutual meaning team and player both discussed what the options were player went to team and discussed what options were. And so it's not like these guys weren't aware at at that point, what could be happening. And Jalen's been tweeting about this for weeks. And so I think, you know, on the one hand I, I get it. It's like, man, why now? The Rams fans that, you know, he's he is still an elite player and players, people who actually know ball and actually watch the game um, understand what his job actually is. And they don't extrapolate his production to, you know, five times he got burned on deep routes. Like, so I think that 
you know, if if you're if you're the Rams, you're thinking this is your window with Jalen. And there's a reason why the contract was structured the way it was, because any other team is going to pick up that contract. And it's basically like malleable clay to work with. There's no guaranteed money on it. Right. It's it's totally malleable. You could do three years with Jalen with an option and you could do 18 million annually and you could do, you know, 35 to 40 of that is going to be guaranteed. You could you could do these things. You can. Yeah. You can do whatever you want if you're a yeah. new team. And that's why I always said, oh, teams will be interested in this contract because it's clean, quote unquote. Now, again, it's clearly structured to our people. Everyone, Rams included, thought that this last closing of that last window was going to happen in 2024 and not last year. But the catastrophic nature of their season expedited the entire process. So now you're seeing if there are ways to, A, get you under the cap, which is Bobby, and that's also mutual because Bobby at his age is absolutely wants to finish the right way and, and all of that. And Leonard getting him under the cap, but clearing the cash specifically. You know, these are the things that you do to try to turn things over very quickly. You don't linger on certain emotional decisions. And you can also argue that the decisions they made pre-2020 2022 were very emotional. And you can see by the nature of the moves that they're making now, they're reminding themselves, you can't be emotional with this. Because yes, Leonard Floyd still has a lot of gas in the tank. And he's one of the best, like most beloved players in that building. Yes, Jalen Ramsey is still an elite player. Again, one of the core leaders in that building. Loved by all of his teammates. And Bobby Wagner, I mean, was the only good thing about the Rams, essentially, last year. But you also know (laughs) that they spent a lot of time making maybe overly emotional decisions with Matthew Stafford, with Cooper Cup, with Aaron Donald on the front side of 2022, made emotional decisions on Allen Robinson. That was an emotional decision. And so now you're seeing a quick overhaul and over maybe a, a quick, I guess I would say a quick correction, a character foil. If this were the plot of a book, a plot foil, if this were the, if this were a book, like, they're correcting those types of things yeah. because I do think that this team really does believe that once they gather back these resources, 2024, you know, you can be as competitive as you can in 2023, considering the limitations, there will be limitations on this roster, right? but you gather this capital, this cash, you know, I had one, one person in the Rams building half joking, half not saying, you know, you hope to win eight or nine games in, in 2023 with what you've got and, and really be in your process and in your coaching and really get back to your core fundamentals in that way and go back to having fun and not giving a shit. And then you turn the page and it's 2024. You got a first round draft pick and 10 more picks and a hundred million dollars in cap space. And I was like, right. excuse me, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to need to get my calculator out. Like, what? <laughs> But I'm I'm telling you guys, like this is it, it might right. be wrong, it might implode, it might be dr- right. a disaster. But I'm telling right. you, this is how they're sort of thinking about it: is you know, do what you can with what you have in the short term, make moves for bridge bridge players, short term, long term, like that Brian Burns trade would have been, and then 2024 is when you really start accelerating the way that they did again in 2020. They understood they had to move move uh, upgrade their quarterback. 2021, they went and did that. 
Then they understood at that point, you need one more piece on offense. You need one more piece on defense. They did that. And that's what pushed them all the way through. So it's kind of like you all of, because they've had the continuity, they've had everything you need to know about these guys already exists. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and that's what I was getting at here, Jordan. When you said it perfectly, we don't have any idea how this is going to turn out, but what we're just saying here is, how the Rams are approaching this. You can look at it from the outside and think anything that you want. You can laugh, you can whatever. And and in the end, you might be right. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, th- this, this is targeted. And I think if you're a fan of the team, and again, I'm not saying this is good, bad, or indifferent, what they are doing. I'm not saying it'll work or won't work. But so many times, Jordan, over the past, I don't know how many years now, you make emotional decisions you make mistakes. And I'm not talking about only the Rams. I'm not talking about only the NFL. I'm talking about pretty much any salary capped team slash league. That's how you make your mistakes. You don't have an infinite amount of money to spend. You start, you know, you win a Super Bowl, you win a championship, you get those stars in your eyes, and all of a sudden you start making decisions for the wrong reasons. And those are the ones that come back to bite you. It's such a good point, Rich. And it goes for players and agents too, because this the Von Miller Allen Robinson situation really set up a ripple effect for you know all of those types of decisions that were going to come back and bite them in the butt essentially and you know Allen Robinson is a complete pro by the way like set, was in the locker room every single day answered millions of questions about the situation why isn't he getting the ball you know Is he being included in the planning? Like what's going on? And was a total pro the entire time, even, even while at times I think maybe a little bewildered, like, I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know why. And, (laughs) um, that aside, it was a emotional decision on his part to join the Rams. And it was an emotional decision on the Rams part to push as hard as they did and sell him a vision without fully knowing who the player was going to be. Um, all of that was on tape. But but again, if you go back and, and read that story I wrote in September, and then again, the story I wrote the you know a week and a half ago, well, the story that published a week and a half ago, the story <laughs> right. that was six months in the making, so I'm not going to be derivative. But so if you go back and read those pieces, it was a matter of hours between the Rams learning after they had basically had this mutual commitment from Vaughn, even though they disagreed on the contract, you could, and I, and frankly, I think it, and it ends up being probably a good thing that they don't make that another emotional decision, but pivoting the pivot is where both sides were too emotional. I think in making the decision in that Sean McVay's calling Matthew Stafford, Cooper cup, you know, okay, we're going to pivot to offense. Who do you guys know that's out there? What do you think? And they bring up Allen Robinson and they get really excited because prototypically he should be a fit, right? But if you were to dive deeper and had the time to really do a full deep dive on, because they never, they never go out and sign receivers in free agency. They don't. And so not only was it outside of their model, but then also if you were going to really do a deep dive on this, then maybe you would have seen that the way that you wanted him to be a mismatched player you have to also put him in high probability situations. You can't just ISO him on the outside, on the backside of progressions, which they did over and over and over and over again. It's not going to work. 
He's just not that type of receiver anymore. And also the league doesn't really work like that anymore either. And so, you know, if you want Odell, you can't have Odell. You There is not going to be a player who fits that Odell mode. So right. at that point, who are you pivoting to in your haste to continue improving your team because you think you have to be in contention because you've committed to making, to re-signing these other guys, you've committed to at least bringing back as many people as you can. And so now you have to make sure that they're set up for success and like everything compounds, right? Mm. And so Alan, on his part, you know, he's about to sign with the Eagles. I reported this in September and it, it apparently like spiked back up recently, like <laughs> because if it was in a different story, but I was like, okay, that's been, that's been out there. Um, but like he's about to sign with another team and they get on the phone and the vision they sell him is so optimistic. And, and it's going to, and, and in his words, he told me this in September, it's like, it's going to play with, it's going to play for Sean McVay. It's going to play with Matthew Stafford, Cooper cup, like, heck yeah, I want to go do that. And so that's also an emotional decision. He's not really, you know, they're not really looking as deep into how is this team constructed? Are they really going to be contenders? Now, I think all things equal, they would have at least been a playoff team if they didn't get as hurt as they did. But how do I really fit in the past game? Is it just them saying this or or what is what really is my role? And again, it happens over the course of a couple of hours. This isn't a days-long research project like most things in free agency are. It's an emotional pivot, and it's a hasty one. Mm-hmm. So now, to their credit, to both sides' credit, mm-hmm. actually, I would say I'd give both both sides of this credit for this, is they're ready to move forward. They're ready to pivot from that. Again, um, the Rams are willing to eat some of the salary if they can trade him, and that's going to have to be how it goes because you know he did get permission to seek a trade. Again, very different from a team deciding to trade a player is getting permission to seek a trade. Right. And so that's also his side, his camp saying, yeah, man, we don't know what the hell happened either. So (laughs) got to go find somewhere where we fit more. So I think like when you talk about emotional decisions, Rich, that entire situation is fully an example of, of what that is and how that can backfire on you. But you don't know until you know. Yeah. You know, that's the yeah. whole Sean McVay story, right? You don't know until you live it. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's a that's a part of it is is and I think too it's so intangible, but nobody talks about like what the weight of those expectations were, even backed up against the logic that they knew they weren't going to repeat. And it would shock me if they didn't have a conversation, whether it was serious or joking. It would shock me if they didn't have a conversation in maybe it was a drunken one in March or something that was that, that they went that where they asked each other, should we just blow this thing up now? Mm. It would shock me if nobody brought that up. Right. Because if you're looking at this in hindsight, maybe they should have, but nobody could have predicted what 2022 was going to, was going to look like the injuries, you know, the, the, the way the league moved, like it all happened so fast. And then you compound that with, um, you know, all of the, the, you know, the personnel stuff that, that happened, I think like, you know, I can understand why, okay, well, let, we're going to still be competitive. We'll be a playoff team. Like I can understand, I can understand that, but it is, you know, having the benefit of hindsight is uh, pretty great, I think, but <laughs> it is, case, isn't I, it? like yeah. I said, I <laughs> no, think that this is a team that's always moved on early and quickly 
from from players be- right before but in this case after winning the super bowl they hesitated and i do think that was an emotional decision and i'm not saying guys like i'm not saying they should have done any of this i'm not saying they should like cooper cup is one of the best players of the league in the league still aaron donald is the best player in the league still you know uh matthew Sta- i'm talking about the three core contracts that they did before the season matthew stafford like if he if he's healthy, I think he's he's up there, top ten quarterback. So the thing is, like, I'm not saying that like, oh, just just blow it up. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you look at the cycles and the patterns of where they've been and where they need to go next, I would be shocked if they didn't at least consider it. Right, and and in a more general sense, even you just have to be realistic with yourself. And this is where you get into you know emotion versus a certain level of de- detachment where every, every if you think emotionally every part of you says keep going keep going we want to keep this group together you know that's why i kind of not you know rolled my eyes a little bit i guess at the whole quote unquote run it back thing is because okay that's 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 the perfect emotional reaction right run it back run it back let's just do it again it's never going to happen and and in some ways it never should happen you can't expect it to happen you're not going to have the same team you're not going to have the same results you need to make some changes you and and whether that is small changes or whether or not it's what you're bringing up here which is a very big change to ultimately get you back to where you want to be that's where your mind has to be. You know, it's you get over the emotion of, gosh, wouldn't it be great if we could keep doing this forever? This group, you know, we could just make a run for the next five years. It's not going to happen. It's it's really not going to happen. So you have to take that out of the equation right away and say, okay, what is it? What do we need to do here? What are the small moves? What are the big moves? I just got out of one of the one of the reasons we we didn't record the podcast last week. Uh, I was also busy. It was the NHL trade deadline week for those who may or may not follow that sport. So many emotional reactions, Jordan, when you when you get to that trade deadline, because one team makes a move. You're in the Eastern Conference and Boston makes a big move. I know, Jordan, what a big NHL fan you are. So you're following me. You're following along. My eyes with are me, glazing right? yeah. over yeah. as you're talking, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going into my I'm going into my happy Zen place and your voice is just washing over me and I'm not processing anything you're saying. But continue. But this is what happens. It's it's the total emotion of, oh, my goodness, our rivals just made a move. Now we need to do something now. And now we end up giving up a first round pick or a second round pick where if we take a look in five months from now, we're going to sit back and go, why in the hell did we do that? Why in the hell did we give up a second round pick for this guy? Well, it was because you got caught up in the moment of, oh, my goodness, that other team is doing that. So we need to fall in line. And that's a dangerous way. I mean, it's understandable. It's human nature in some ways. I certainly get it. And and maybe even in the short term, you applaud it because you want your team to be aggressive. But that's where the mistakes get made nine times out of 10. That's what it is. Not the ones that you sit and contemplate and spend weeks or whatever, you know, planning out and doing it's the ones that you go on the fly and you go, Hey, yeah, this, let's do it. Let's just do it. And that's the ones that come back to bite you. 
Jordan, I want to just dig into that a little bit more. By the way, I should say that if, if you want to keep track of these these news that's that's going on with the Rams and what's going on, there's a lot of different outlets uh, that you that you can follow. But if you follow Jordan, you'll hear about it like days or maybe even weeks uh, ahead of when you're hearing it on <laughs> uh, other outlets. And that's not nice. a dig on anybody you're in nice, particular. Rich. Thank you. That you're is nice. not a dig on anybody in particular. It's a general statement that is is borne out to be a fact. Uh, because a lot of the things that we're talking about here, Jordan has brought them up, reported them, however you want to say it, uh, a long time ago. Um, so one of those things, Jordan, and I want to dig into this not to pile on, uh, and I mean that genuinely, is the Allen Robinson situation. Because I'm curious about it in the context of what you just talked about at the beginning, retooling this offense, trying to get it back, trying to get more 30 and 35 point games instead of, you know, 17 and 20 point. Yeah, I guess I was 10, (laughs) 10 bad, 10, not really not good. So, so let's say total hypothetical total, you know, let we're just projecting here, right? Let's say we do reach a point where Allen Robinson is off this team and out of this offense. How can the Rams, um, retool that i guess i'm trying to be careful with my words here because i know we can get caught up in the the, the definition of a certain word but if you take alan robinson out, out of that offense what are you going to put in or what can you elevate that you already have that's going to help you with that group that's going to help you with cooper cup and with van jefferson and matthew stafford i know it's early and i know i'm i'm three steps down the line here but but i mean is there any thought in terms of how that might look no, it's a it's a great question because I have lots of thoughts about it. I think um, so. First of all, if they do keep him, and this could st- they could still keep him. Like if right. they do, if they do keep him, um, I am among the most vocal, not just it like in my coverage, but also like when I'm talking to th- these guys, is like move him inside for God's sake. Like make him a high probability target. He's not going to be the fastest guy or, you know, separate the best, but you've just got Tyler Higby just on like the last ligaments in his body. And then you've got Cooper who can do anything and everything. So keep him versatile and move Allen inside and make him a high probability early read target who is going to um, at least present, you know, a, a threat in that regard, hard to cover, especially with nickel players. Like, don't ISO him on the outside. Don't put him against press DBs. You know, he can elevate over them and he can still be a red zone threat. And and I'm not crapping on the guy at all, but my God, right. just like build some high probability stuff into your offense that they just took way too long to do last year. And to the frustration, frankly, of uh, more than one pe- person inside that building, again, which that big story touches on. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about players, I'm talking about coaches. And yeah. so I think that that's, that's one of it. So like, if you keep them, okay, you got to figure out what to do and you got to maximize this guy. And I think if you don't keep him, um, I think it'll be really, really important that Van Jefferson starts the year healthy this year. Um, the combination of him and Cooper cup is a very, very good one. They didn't actually get to be on the field a lot together this last year. And I think that van is a great number two on some teams. He might be like fringe number one, frankly. And I think that that's something that's something to look at. So make sure you're maximizing both of those guys. Ben's chronic sort of emerged as a little bit more of like a, I would actually say he's not as consistent yet. He's certainly not, how he was in his in this other player's prime 
but starting to develop a little bit more into a Robert Woods-esque guy um, can do the stuff from the F or that or the HB that he can, you know, he can be a fullback. He can play out of the F he can and and then started to really make some great catches later in the year. If you're going with guys in house Tutu Atwell has the speed, as as I've said, since training camp ad nauseum has to be schemed into the, in offense. Right. So that's where I get to a lot of this you're going to have to put some responsibility on Matthew Stafford's shoulders. If Matthew Stafford prefers to be a drop back passer, but it doesn't work for your entire stable of receivers that you have, you have to figure out ways to build those concepts, moving the pocket, the play action, those concepts into your offense, as well as doing the things that the quarterback may prefer. Again, not saying that this is, you know, I'm not reporting this, right? But you know, you watch the game, you know, the people in it, you talk to people like if you, you gotta, you gotta build more of these things in more of these tools. Like it's okay to blow the doors off the league in EPA and explosive passing out of the gun and out of the drop back game. That's fine. But just like when Sean leaned too much on Jared with the play action, it can become a crutch. And then where's your other diversity of concept. And then when you get other receivers who are better, who are valuable to you, who can really take the top off, but you're not, you're, you're, they can't get off the line physically in a way that behooves a drop back game. And you need to scheme them, give them a, um, a wind up pitch with the play action. That's where it's about maximizing your entire roster and not just what the quarterback wants. Allegedly, you know, maybe I don't even mean to say allegedly, right. It, 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 from what the examples we've sort of seen, why they've sort of just like spammed the drop back and like gotten away from the play action. It did really work for them and that's great. And he can do all of those things at an elite level, but it doesn't mean that you take away all the other stuff. That also means continuing to build up the run game, those types of things. But in terms of ads there, what I would really like to see them do is take advantage of a truly outstanding and historic tight ends class. I think that, We've seen enough of the injuries and just like the stalls and development from Jacob Harris that that's one that I think will bum fans out because he has all the tools to be a true elite like mismatch weapon, but he can't stay healthy. So you can't depend on that. Um, So you have to go, you have to look elsewhere. Um, I think players like that, um, I think moving into more diversity of concept outside of 11 personnel is going to be important to pay based on the trajectory and arc of how defenses are now playing offenses through the league. And I think that maximizing that t- tight end class, that really goes a long way in, in um, kickstarting just different layers and contours of your offense. And it also means, but it, but it's a hand in hand thing. You know, you can't just have one of these players or you can't just have a Tutu Atwell or have a Van Jefferson. You've also got to maximize schematically and via your design and the way that you're sharing and collaborating on ideas. You got to maximize what they can do within any part of your offense. And in that way, I think that the Rams, before even all the injuries, I think that they were very flawed in that way last year because mm. I don't think they were doing that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of evidence of that, isn't there? <laughs> I mean, throughout the, and that's not, that's not, taking shots at one person in particular. That's what I was going to say. I said allegedly. I did not mean allegedly. I meant evidentiarily. I don't think that's a word, but 
based on the evidence. I know what you mean. Thank yeah, you, exactly. Rich. Exactly. No, Rich, I'm it's, struggling. It's I'm there. struggling so bad, Rich. Thank you. <laughs> You're doing fantastic. You're doing way better than I would be doing uh, in this situation. I knew exactly what you meant. I, I think it's I think it's totally clear what you're saying that, that anybody who who watches the game and anybody who's watched the, the Rams over over a period of years will be able to tell the distinction, will be able to see the distinction. Uh, so I, I think that's I think that's very evident. And I think that's a huge part of in the independent of whatever personnel moves that they may make but players coming in, players going out, players on the current roster, elevating themselves. Uh, the, all of those things are important, uh, but that has to go hand in hand, I think, with with exactly what you're talking about here, too. Real quick, Jordan, before I, I want to pivot and talk about the the, the story, too. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, here's what I'm looking at. And here's what I want to get your thoughts on, because we know uh, going into the season, going into the offseason, we knew that that uh, the front, the defensive front going to be important, going to be something the Rams are looking at now looking at. I'm just in my words, not your words or anybody else's words, in my words, looking at a very real scenario in which you could be taking off of this team, Leonard Floyd, Greg Gaines and Deshaun Robinson all in one offseason. That's going to have <laughs> it goes without saying that's going to have a huge impact on on what they're doing up front there. How do you see that going and what what can they you still got Aaron Donald there. You've still got the, a beast of a defensive player, but we all know you've got to surround him with stuff, too. Are they going to be able to surround him with stuff in order for that front to be effective? If 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 and again, if is a big word, but if they lose all three of those guys, um, part of it will depend on what they can get if they do trade Jalen Ramsey. Um but also, they will not be able to sign to re-sign Ashawn Robinson. It sounds like his market's going to be like nine to twelve annually. Wow! And that's Good for him. <laughs> that's kind of what they thought it would be. So, like, that's okay because he's a comp pick. He returns a comp pick for them, and that he was always a part of that math. Greg Gaines is a little bit harder to figure out market-wise. If he's closer to four or five, I think they can extend him. But again, you have to prepare for the opportunity or the possibility that you might lose him. And so in the short term, it's a combination of young players and probably very easy to sign veteran players who don't affect the comp math. So like, you know, every year Robert Quinn's name comes up, you know, he loves LA. Right. He's connected to the Rams. He's a veteran. Maybe you want to finish out your career in a in you know a place that was home to you, you know that that kind of a thing, and so you know those types of moves. But also um, looking at the draft again, depending on what a possible Jalen Ramsey trade could return. But in the short term, you know you're looking at Michael Hoyt on one side, who is great. I'm not meaning to laugh. I thought he played yeah. really well in the pass rush, and knowing him, he's working on that edge support stuff. Knowing him, he's working on uh, figuring out how to set a better edge against the run. Um, and Daniel Hardy, who's super unproven. And Keir Thomas, who, again, is like looked good in some ways, but super unproven. But this is what I mean when I say you're almost loading the gun here because you're right. you're you're clearing the runway is probably a much better way to, to, to phrase it. You're clearing the runway for whatever move comes next for you that a guy who can play alongside Aaron in 2024, which I believe is the last year of his contract, um, which he's committed to. Um, so you, you have a guy who can really affect the pass rush um, alongside Aaron. And then you have 
a guy in that same move, whether it's via trade or draft, um, you that guy also is who you build around the next for the next window, just like Aaron has been for several years, just like Jalen was, and just like you know, in, in some ways, Cooper has been on the offensive side. And so I think that that's kind of what you're looking at in terms of moves. I, I'll say this again: it's why I believed. It's why I understood what they were willing to offer for Brian Burns, because he absolutely fits that mold. It's why I understood why they were calling about um, Bradley Chubb, because he fits that mold. So, you know, it may not necessarily be those guys, but that's who you're looking at. Youth and prowess at a premier position that you can build a roster around in complementary ways without um, getting a player too late in his prime. And so I think that that's sort of what you're looking at. But in the short term, I mean, this this thing's going to be bumpy on defense, yeah. I think. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's it, you, you're going to do the best with what you can. And maybe one of those guys, Daniel Hardy or Michael Hoyt, emerges as a longer term rotational guy for when you actually are in that place where, OK, now you've got the one edge on the one side as the every down edge. And then you've got Aaron in the middle. And then you've got Michael Hoyt and X or Daniel Hardy and X rotating in. Cause as we know, it takes two, two pass rushers to really kick this thing off. Yeah. Um, and then maybe in the short term, it's Michael Hoyt, Daniel Hardy and Robert Quinn or insert veteran pass rusher here or insert rookie pass rusher here. Right. Um, and that's going to be bumpy. I don't think that they have the corners right now to really have a, a good rush coverage compliment. I think Kobe Durant, by far is, is the one who has shown the most potential, but again, you're going to have to sort of eat that in the short term and build for maybe what 2024, 2025, 2026 look like. And I do think that's what they're looking at. And, And also I will say one other thing, a commenter left this really great comment, um, the other day in a story, I don't remember which story it was and I'll go find you and shout you out by your name. Um, but I don't have it in front of me right now, but basically what they said was, um, part of the Rams problem, which was really good when the offense was producing, but became really bad in a hurry was that the offense and the defense were too interconnected to set each other up. And I thought that was really, really freaking smart that this Mm. person said that because, it is. We talked about the 20 point bargain. We talked about mm-hmm. um, how this offense and the uh, ability to prevent explosives and, and the ethos that it plays with and the 10,000 paper cuts. We have talked about how that works the best when your offense is scoring more points on the other side. And when they're not, everything else collapses because you have to make the bargain to be ultra ultra conservative on defense so that you're not losing the game in the first quarter via two explosive pass plays. And when that, when I read that comment, I just thought that was so smart because that also sort of pointed to what they're trying to do, because if this offense can score points the way that it needs to, and the way that they want to try to score points, it will actually have a lifting effect on the defense. Oh yeah. Even if they just got a bunch of guys and Aaron Donald playing out there. It's not going to mean it's a top 10 defense, right? but it will have a lifting effect on specifically the type of defense that they play. So again, I'm sorry, I don't have your name right in front of me, commenter, but I thought that was an extremely smart and very, very progressive way to look at what's happening here. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, no, I like I like that a lot. And in a lot of ways, like like we said, following the theme here, kind of maybe going back to the roots of of where the Rams were with that stuff, because I think to some extent that did happen in, in 2017, 2018, you know, also elevating certain guys or certain, you know, the, the defense in general. I mean, the first name that jumps to mind is Corey Littleton. I mean, a guy who, uh, you know, put, playing on a team that, that afforded the, the defense certain advantages because they were always scoring 30, 35 points a game, uh, you know, elevated that defense and elevated people within the defense. So getting back to that is certainly not uh, a bad thing. Um, so, Jordan, you're going to be busy. Um, I, I hate to tell you that, um, but uh, you—that's the—I know that's the only speed you know. So uh, that's the only good thing is I, I don't think you'd know what to do with yourself if, for some reason, it was a it was a boring off season. So I, I don't, uh, well, at least we're uh, at least we've got the right person for the job. I can tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> but before we um, let's let's pause from going forward and, and go back here because it's it's been I, I had to look it up as you were talking there I wanted I, I needed to see the date it was February 23rd uh when the, when the story uh published and I I say that so that people if, if by chance you haven't uh read it yet you can go back in your feed because there's been a lot of stuff between then and now uh if you haven't already uh you have to you have to go read this story um it is at the same time and and this is my characterization, Jordan. I, I hope I, I'm I'm nervous here saying this because I don't I don't want to uh, put words in in your mouth. But it, it is at the same time an amazing deconstruction of the Rams' 2022 season, and at the same time an extraordinary profile look at one person, um, and and the journey of one person both within the context of that season, but also way beyond the context of Mm -hmm. that season. Um, That was my takeaway from it, from the very first draft that you sent me and uh, that I got to read. And it certainly came through very, very strongly in telling that story. Congratulations, first of all. And just to give people some idea, Jordan, you didn't know I was going to ask you this, but how many people did you talk to? You might not even be able to count it up right now, but get it within a get it within five how, how many people did you talk to for this story i'm not saying quoted in the story 
Yeah. Yeah. That was a, I'm glad you, I am glad you asked me this actually, because I did not want to do anonymous quotes in this story. Now this is going to get, if you guys don't want to hear about like journalistic process, turn us off now. We might get a little nerdy (laughs) at one point. We nerd out over this stuff. So turn us off now. You got a good, a good long episode before that anyway. (laughs) So that's fine. We will not hold it against you. Um, But I did not want to use anonymous quotes in this story. And the reason for that is because there were a lot of, the story was reported over the course of about five months. And there were a lot of people in the depths of that time. And then on the the upswing of that time who were frustrated, Um, not just players, not just coaches, not just front office, not just support staff, not just, you know, team personnel, Um, a, a, a combination of a lot of different things. A lot of different people were frustrated with the season. They were exhausted. So, Catching them in interviews at certain times would mean, and and anonymously quoting them, would mean skewing the overall story because it would have been more of people venting than maybe necessarily being able to remove themselves out of the situation for a second and then see kind of the bigger picture. And I thought that maybe would have been unfair. At the same time, you know, it's hard to put a number on it because again, this is like, you're working on this every single day for five months. Um, I would say around 50. Um, And that's inclusive again to all of the people, all of the categories of people I mentioned. And there are five people, six people quoted in the story. And again, and part of it is because if you're talking on background, but you, you, you know, in cases where you're talking to people and they say, I don't want to be quoted, but you can use that. That's your decision. Then do you use that as an anonymous quote person close to the situation per a player who wanted to speak anonymously because he was not authorized to speak publicly per multiple people with knowledge of the situation, those types of things. Um, You in some cases, and we have a strict sort of ethics process on this at the the athletic and the new york times in some cases you can use those quotes a lot of our really great stories at the athletic have used those those anonymous quotes um for me though because the situation was so complicated the mcveigh factor was so complicated that i did not think that it would be an accurate portrayal of a bunch of people mad about something because this went right. way deeper than that. This was right. a story about a group of people who went through something as a collective organism sharing similar thoughts, feelings, and almost being at the whim of this person who was out of control in his own head. Yeah, And that's so sensitive to do. That is so sensitive. And you lack so much control as a person who's experiencing that, not just Sean, or excuse me, not just players, not just coaches, all those categories, but also Sean, you lack mm. so much control when you're living something like that. Yeah. A very real thing that for me, it did not feel like it would have been fair to just go through. I mean, I had, it's like, it's over, you know, probably, probably at this point, 15,000 words of transcripts from people I talked to. Yeah. Over that. Got to be over it. And the story is what, 3,800 words. And so the things that you leave out, whether intentionally or like 
the editing process, which I'm not going to get into, like you, everything, every word is picked so carefully Yeah. or this is how I wanted to do it. Understanding because I talked to that many people and all of those people at their worst moments in, in some cases, how sensitive you have to be toward the human there in, I don't want to leave someone in their worst place. Right. It's it's such a and I I know and I'm not speaking to the story Jordan you did all the work on this but it, having been in in similar situations I guess you would say that it it's such an easy temptation and I and I think the reason why sometimes we get a bad rep as as journalists it's it's so easy to blow out that one quote right it's so easy to talk to one person oh yeah and, and let me to, tell you what I got a whole list of them I'm sure you there, do I sat there and I was like what yeah. would be the aggregated BS like yeah. and, and you see that happening. Yeah. But it doesn't tell the story. Um and and it doesn't in the end it doesn't do you any good. It might get you some attention, but it doesn't it doesn't tell the story. And in fact it it detracts from the story most of the time because everybody just wants to pay attention to that one hyperbolic quote. Um on the other hand, doing what you did and talking to 50 people is more or in, less <laughs> probably more but again it's hard to remember because again, it's, like five, it's like five months and i'm there every yeah. single day and then also i'm calling people right and then there's people who are, are like you know around the team and, and all that stuff and it's just right. yeah but I, I i think what i've experienced and, and i'm i i'm gonna guess that it was your experience also is the more people you talk to the more you start seeing those threads and the more you start seeing, if one person says it, you go, oh, okay. Two people say it, three people say it, four people say it. Then you start to go, all right, now I'm getting a picture of what's going on here. And it doesn't mean to use that 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 hyperbolic quote. It's just okay. This is this is a this is a road that I need to go down. I I need to I need to see what's down that road because I've got three, four, or five people telling me something very similar. And okay, I need to I need to explore that. And I thought that was something that your story did so effectively was was to follow those uh, follow those roads, for lack of a better term. And one of the things that people don't really know who aren't who don't do this, and it's like it doesn't mean it's a bad thing to not know. It's just that it's not a publicized part of the job. Is like sometimes you'll get something, and it's so it's it's a massive thing. And you have to ask yourself, is this the day that I run with this thing and I go mm. with a short, brief version of this thing? Or do I keep pulling at this thread? Because it so clearly is a pivotal thing. Right. And in this case, it was Sean giving up play calling. Right. So I'll tell the backstory to this now because yeah, this is the, the story is out. Yeah. So we're in Kansas City. Sean had just broken down in his press conference over the death of his grandfather, um, a significant moment for him this last year, and one where he started questioning himself about all of the qualities his grandfather would, was able to keep intact despite working with one of the most stressful head coaches in football history, and also the expectations being so high because of what they were achieving. But his his grandfather, John McVay, was able to keep these foundational points of humanity intact, even through all of that. And that's how Sean remembers him as, you know, those qualities that he loves most about him. Right. And that's how a lot of people remember John McVeigh. Right. And so he had to start asking himself, you know, in the depths of that lot, that huge human loss and 
you can't escape into football like you usually do because everything's out of your control there. And the loss of control is pissing you off to a point where you're starting to scare yourself because you don't understand why it's making you this angry. But you also, you don't want to cede that control because you're the guy with the solutions always. And everyone's looking to you to have the solutions. And maybe you're frustrated with your coaching staff because you rushed some hires and you're not getting some answers that you needed from them, which leads to resentment, which it's a, it's a whole cycle, right? Right, right? Over and over and over and over again. And then you have this loss of a family member and you are shattered. Like he broke down crying at his press conference and, you know, they go to new Orleans and Matthew Stafford takes another hit and has numbness in his legs. And this isn't just your quarter. Like, this is your friend. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. just your quarterback. It's your friend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you go, you're burned out. You had to miss half of the week for New Orleans anyway because you were attending a funeral. You're burned out. You're at your weakest point. You don't even know your own locker room anymore. Things are happening in there that you don't even know. And... Your coaches are avoiding you. You're avoiding your coaches. And he was so withdrawn inward that that's when he gave up play calling and that's when he hit rock bottom. And so I'm sitting there in Kansas City and and he had just had this big emotional press conference with us from, from his grandfather passing and you knew he wasn't okay. And he'd said some things earlier in that season about the season revealing some insecurities he didn't know he had. Little things would slip out where, you know, sometimes when you like, I, I can't profess to like, I guess it probably sounds a certain way after I wrote this story, but I can't profess to like really know Sean. Like, I feel like right. I do now. <laughs> and right. like, I feel like I do better now, but at that mm-hmm. time, but you just start noticing these cues and these tells. Yeah. These things that slip out that you're like, man, this guy kind of maybe needs to talk to someone saying things like openly in front of cameras. Like, yeah. This season's revealing insecurities I didn't know I had. I mean, 2020 Sean, who I met for the first time, wouldn't even have recognized that person. No, no. And so... And I can assure you 2017 would not have either. Right. And so these little things are starting to slip out. And you, you only see these if you're there every day and you see and you're paying attention. And so... So we're in Kansas City after this, like you can tell he's not okay. And so I'm up there, I'm watching through my binoculars as I always am because I'm a lurker and I lurk. And so I'm watching the dynamic on the sideline and he's just apart. Like he's just sort of detached and you just can tell. And then all of a sudden I noticed that when the 15 seconds before the snap ish, um, He's not talking. He's got a headset and he's got his walkie talkie, but he's not talking. Right. So then I'm like, okay, so I go watch, I go watch Liam, Liam Cohen, offensive coordinator now at Kentucky. Right. Liam's talking in the headset. So I text PR, I text a couple sources in the building and I'm like, is Liam calling this game? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I have to check. I'll have to check. Okay. Well, I know enough now to where I know what I'm seeing and I know that someone, something's happening, whether he's just sending them in the plays or what something is happening. And it's significant because this has not happened and they've talked about it. Like Kevin O'Connell, they had a contingency plan because Sean, 
I don't know if people know this, like Sean had this crazy throat situation from the wind up in Thousand Oaks um, before the Super Bowl. And his voice sounded worse than mine does now. And he was worried <laughs> that it was going to give out in the middle so, of the game. So they had right. to have a contingency plan in case Kevin had to call plays anyway. So then I get it. So I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm still lurking. I'm still watching. And I'm watching everything he's doing on the sideline and all this stuff. Roger Carter is not watching everything he's doing on the sideline, by the way. <laughs> yes, real, as we learned. Real, yes. ones, real ones know. <laughs> yeah. um, and all of a sudden I get this text from a coach, an, an offensive coach from another team, not in the Rams division, who's watching the game, who texts me and asks me if Sean's not calling the game. And I'm like, oh, like, so this is not just the, th so it's like that validation, like this is, and to be shocked enough that that person decides to send me a text about this, I don't talk, like we don't talk, like this is, could be right. because a, an expert in this field is seeing the same thing. So it's validating in a way. So I go back and I say, hey, I need to ask Sean about this in his press conference today, but I know that it's really sensitive and it would become a huge out of context headline if I asked him in front of the cameras, in front of you know my colleagues, in front of a bunch of people who are sort of sitting on the press conference live stream wanting to aggregate out different things mm -hmm. and it would become this big thing. So I asked if I could walk and talk with Sean and ask him about it instead. PR has been great. And they said, sure. And if, if he stops, he stops like you, you can, you can try. And so I was like, all right, so I'll try. So after Sean's press conference, I asked him, he was coming off the podium and I sort of like lunged across the room <laughs> and was like, Hey, Sean, can I grab you for a second? He had already been briefed by PR about what I was asking PR. So we start walking down the hallway. We're in this tunnel in KC and it's their press rooms are sort of in the belly of the stadium and we're in this tunnel and it's like, there's no light and it's, 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 it's cement and it's closing in around you. And it feels like thick, like the air feels thick and it's just this dark and, and equipment. People are moving things and packing things all around you. And, and I was looking at him and he just wasn't there. And I thought to myself at that time, because editors can pressure you and news people can pressure you. And I didn't know if this was going to break before I, I had the chance to put it in this story. And I didn't know if I was going to get scooped on it. I didn't know. It was months between that moment and when this story came out. Any number of things that could have tanked, tanked my, not my career, but like tanked my, my yeah. progress and tanked this effort, all of it that went into this could have happened, mm -hmm. but I'm standing there and this person is standing across from me. And not only did I not really know the person before, but I certainly don't know this person who's standing yeah. across from me, who yeah. is as a human experiencing something real and horrible. And not just because they're losing games, but because they are not in a good place. And so I, I made a decision. I was like, this is, this is not, I'm not putting this out until the story runs. I'd already been working on the story. And then I knew that this would be a pivotal moment in it and all of that. And when I talked to Sean about it, when we did our interview, 
he was really open about it. That's when we started getting into the connections he feels to his players when he is calling a game and how he he knows now he can never give it up because it takes him quite literally away from his players in a way that he knows is not healthy and he knows only enables his worst qualities, that detachment. And so I think that's where some of the self-awareness comes from mm-hmm. that I believe I saw in him now that he didn't have before um, is through moments like that that are hard and complicated and yeah. messy. And you don't know if you're doing the right thing as a journalist, but you try to do the right thing as a human yeah. and then see if it works out. I was like holding my breath for part of that story you were just telling. I mean, I'm not even joking. Like it was, it was, um, it's a, it's a very human scene and um, not to make us sound heroic or anything like that. But I know that it is, uh, one of the challenges of what we do is uh, it would have been very easy to run that out there and get the get the easy headline and get the easy clicks and everything else and you would yeah. have you would have there I have no yeah. question that that would have happened but doing what you did told the story uh, and anybody who reads the story will be able to see it in its proper context and have it explained by the person who went through it given time to reflect on it and put it in some context himself and it's a hard thing to do and i and again i'm not i'm not saying it's heroic let's let's be very clear when i say hard it doesn't mean that it's hard in the same way that it's hard to be a first responder but i'm saying that in the context of your job it's it's a hard thing to do and and i've been there and uh i i know how that feels and I was going to say this, Jordan, before you went into that anecdote, but uh, I feel even more confident in saying now that the highest compliment that I can give you is that you you did that story justice. Um, you know, you did right by everybody who you talked to for that story. And uh, you certainly did right by by Sean. I, I don't know. I haven't talked to him. I don't know how he how he processes certain things, but I, I can say in reading it that uh, we'll see if my key, if my little <laughs> access pass to the facilities works in the spring. I'm not sure. But yeah, no, I'm just yeah. kidding. Everyone was <laughs> I did hear from I did hear from people. And like, again, mm-hmm. I, I'm not telling you this. You guys, this, as Rich said, this is not like, oh, you know, pat on the back time and not at all. No. I don't want that. But yeah. And and I think really the people who deserve the credit were the ones who were so vulnerable and opened up to me in the ways that they did. Um, that's, you know, that's what really should be the focus here. But I say the story, I tell the story because we always make the joke about the duck swimming on the water and the feet paddling furiously <laughs> underneath. Yes. There's so many times I'll, you know, this job is so weird. And there's so many times I will think, if only people knew kind of what was happening right now yeah, and, and what was being navigated right now versus what you actually see. Yeah. Because for every beat writer, for every reporter um, and those, especially those concerned about doing this a certain way with, with these principles, it's like, right. That's true for everybody. Yeah. And also it's true. I would say too, it's true for organizations, not necessarily right or wrong. We don't, we won't get into the morals of corporations. That's a whole, <laughs> Or lack thereof. <laughs> it's a other podcast. Other That's podcast. a whole other podcast. Not in our category. No. <laughs> and but but I would say, like in terms of the decision making and the processes and stuff, you see only a piece of it. 
Yeah. Only a very small piece of it. And what yep. was very startling and honestly um, altering for me, and I am changed by this story, by the act of reporting it. I am, I think, forever changed Some in some ways um, for the for the worse, I think, but in some ways also for the better. Um, because of getting to see more and then being able to share more than that piece that you only get to see. And then being to share that with people who are, are, are so, um, we're so gracious to receive it. And, yeah. and I'm talking about the readers and, and yeah. the subscribers and the followers and all of that. Yeah. And I did hear, I did hear from people and some people thought that it could have been darker and some people thought like, but, but at the same time thought, um, yeah, you know, this, this represented what we went through. We went through something really, really awful last year yeah. and some of us made it through together and others didn't. Yeah. Well, uh, congratulations, uh, Jordan. It's a, you know, for, again, for a journalism nerd like me, I, um, enjoyed the hell out of, uh, you know, tracing through everything that you did. But, uh, even if I wasn't a journalism nerd and, uh, I would still find it to be a, a fascinating read. Um, even if I wasn't a Rams fan, which I know that the story got a lot of exposure, um, on our website, on our, in our app beyond just, uh, a traditional Ram story. And I saw when I was looking up, it got 300, so that's more than like 300 comments right now, which is, which is um, pretty amazing and, and awesome to see that, to uh, get that recognition. And um, ultimately a compliment to you that uh, these people trust you also, and that shouldn't go unsaid either that uh, not every reporter earns that same level of trust. And uh, that work was put in a long time from whenever it was, you got May, May, are we going on, on three years, Jordan? Is that we're about to we're about to celebrate three years of Jordan Rodriguez in, in Los Angeles? Um, I know I'm going into year four here. Oh my gosh! I but uh, that's you know that's where that was built. I mean, it wasn't just you didn't just start making those phone calls six months ago and and trying to get information out of people. Those were uh, relationships that were built and trust that was built over you know, those previous you know two plus years. And I want to say too. Another reason I brought that particular anecdote up is a lot of people were under sort of the misconception that Sean decided to thought he might leave and then decided to stay over the course of like six days. Right. That's <laughs> super not the case as again, not right. something I could share at the time because I'd made the decision consciously to not do that. But this was something, first of all, it's been building for years. And second of all, this was something that, I mean, this started in November where he thought, I'm done. I can't. And then he hits rock bottom and then he starts climbing his way back up, which the story re really illustrates. Um, but this is months. This is not him th saying, right. Okay. Okay. Six days later, I'm healed. Like, and in terms of the ongoing process too, what I really appreciated talking to him about was again, for the first time, really, I think since I've known him and then probably beyond that, um, a self-awareness that if you want to affect others in the positive way, instead of allowing yourself to, with his the energy being the way that it is, affect them in a negative way, he's going to have to work on himself. Mm -hmm. And he's already started doing that, the harder work. And that's, you know, that was shared with me privately. So I'm not going to get into that right, here. Right, right. But, you know, it's also important. And I think 
sustainable the way that he's viewing it in a sense that you can't, there's no check marks. There's no little like mm. Mario Kart flags or whatever. Like this is a lifelong thing yeah. and you don't get validated by trophies or yeah. praise. You get validated by the fact that you can feel more whole. And at some point you wake up and you think, um, I'm becoming who I'm supposed to be, not yeah. who I thought I was supposed to be. Mm. Yep. Yep. Uh, the, some of that hits home, Jordan. I can say that for sure. And uh, yeah, look, and I, I applaud um, Sean for that too. I mean, that's uh, strictly on, on a human level. Um, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to go through that process. So um, Jordan, fantastic work. Again, if anybody hasn't checked it out yet, you have to scroll back a little in your feed. Uh, but trust me, it'll be worth it. February 23rd. Go look, read it all. Pin, read, pin to my Twitter page too. If you. Yeah. Does Twitter that still work? Is that, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. Well, while it still works, go ahead and uh, go to at Jordan Rodriguez on Twitter and you will be able to read that full story. And like I said before, you will be up to date on everything that is going on with the Rams. It's like looking into a crystal ball. You'll know it before other people know it. So, but along those lines, Jordan, we never know when Twitter is going to vanish. It could be today, could be tomorrow, could by could be by the time this podcast is published. So here's the good thing that you can do: we don't need Twitter. We really, really don't need Twitter. But if you're a Rams fan and you want information, our subscribers already know this. It's all available. You can go to theathletic.com/slash/11personnel right now right now and get everything you need jordan's coverage year-round and her favorite thing in the entire world which is what a great discount you guys every time you subscribe to the athletic through the 11 personnel podcast you get my favorite thing in the world and i know i sound so excited about it in my current state but trust me my favorite thing in the world <laughs> which is a great discount guys it's I say this every week, it seems like since about November, but it's going to be a bumpy one here moving forward in the next couple of weeks. Rich and I will be here for you and with you. Please make sure you're taking care of each other and yourselves. Remember to stay hydrated and stay caffeinated. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs>